Welcome to Declaration, where we exist to help people encounter and follow Jesus. Here at Declaration, we believe that God has a word for you and for your family, to live a life of fullness and to be faithful to Christ and His church. If you want to know more about who we are at Declaration Church, then I highly encourage you to visit declaration.org. Amen, everybody. Hey, who's glad to be here today? Anybody? Anybody glad to be here today? All right. Good stuff. Let's, uh, hey, can we clap and celebrate our fifth and sixth grade as they head on out to their, their class and welcome everyone in with our online family this morning. It's a great day to be here, man. Pastor Aaron said it. Special Sunday, significant Sunday. Palm Sunday. Everybody ready for next week? It's going to be awesome. Um, in fact, somewhere in my Bible here, uh, I've got something to remind you of. Make sure you grab a few of these if you don't mind. These are little invite cards. This is a way you can easily set the table for someone. You have no idea how powerful this little invite card can end up being in the life of somebody or in the life of a family. And so on the way out, grab a few of these and let's utilize these this week. I think there may be a few yard signs left as well. Is that right, Melody? Um, but there's some yard signs if you want to promote Easter in your front yard. And if you live on acreage, that's okay just to promote to you, promote to yourself. Just as you drive out, remind yourself next week, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. But make sure you grab a few of these because we all go to the grocery store and stuff. So make sure you do that. Um, also, if you are here and I said that we weren't going to do this, do we still have some books available in case we need them? If you need a book, one of these series books right now, we would love to put this in your hand. Um, please raise a hand high to the sky. They will get one to you. And until they, uh, I don't see any hands. Anybody? Oh, there's one. Okay, come on. Yeah, if you need a book, we'd love to put that in your hand. Great resources there. And it's just uh, a good way to follow along today as we wrap up our Setting the Table Refresh series called Come to the Table. Has this been good, everybody? I hope it's been encouraging. I hope it's been a a good time for you. As I said, today's going to be a very significant and defining day. We've had days like this only two other times before. Um, in fact, we were quickly heading towards this day a few years back when all of a sudden we couldn't do church anymore, and that was during COVID. And um, that was a very interesting frame of life that God has brought us through. Amen. Come on, somebody. And, um, but it's a significant day in the life of our church. I think it's a significant day in many of our lives because it's a day where we're, we're actually saying, okay, Lord, you've, you've called me to something very specific And so today, I'm going to let that be known to you. I'm going to commit that to you. Now, if you're with us for the first time today, can I say welcome home? We're so glad you're here. You picked an incredible day to come, and let me tell you why. You are going to be able to witness and be a part of a supernatural move of God today. And so we're so excited that you're here. We're so excited. We're a church that is not content with being comfortable. We're not content with being complacent. We know that God has called us to significant supernatural things. He has called us out outside of the land of familiar. He has called us to follow him in deep faith. And we want to live big and we want to love big. Amen. We want to put into practice irresistible hospitality. That's um, Emily and team. Thank you so much for this table up here. You guys did such a great job. Can we celebrate that? Beautiful. For a minute, I, I mean, it looks so good. I, I literally thought that some of that was fake. And I re- that's not fake. That's for real. That's why I was like, y'all, this ain't charcuterie, all right? It's all good, but um, beautiful. And also Melody and team, creative team, thank you for all your work on these books and everything. Can we just thank them for their hard work and did such a great job. So we want to love big and live big. Irresistible hospitality, radical generosity as we seek to declare the greatness and the goodness of God, not only to one another, but to this entire area. And not only to this entire area, but to the entire world. We believe God has called us to our neighbors and nations. Amen? And so we have a role in this thing. Our desire is to be those who truly set the table. It really is. Um, not to sound cliche or marketing, but that's, that's our heart. We want to be table setters. We want to prepare the way for a move of God. We want to be a part of when God begins to move like he has been all over the world. Um, we saw it in Asbury and then it just started going everywhere. We want to be a part of that stuff. But not only that, we want to lead it. We want to be on the front line of that saying, yes, God, here's our heart. Here's our heart. We love you. We love people. We are for you. We are for people. We want to help prepare the way for people to encounter and follow Jesus for generations to come. So as a church family, over these past four weeks, we've been on this journey. We've been listening. We've been having our hearts and our affections and our allegiance, uh, our allegiances challenged. We've been praying about, God, what is it you desire us to do in this moment? What do you want to do in us? What do you want to do through us? And as we've been focusing on the table 
and God's desire for everyone to be at that table. Um, because we know, as I said, everyone's invited. For God so loved the world. In fact, I wanted to put the scripture up for you again because I want you to see so differently. It's easy to just pass through for God so loved the world. No, no, he so loved the world that he was willing to send his son to be a sacrifice on our behalf. Do you see it? Now we know one day soon, just as we read in Luke 14, we see in Matthew 22, there's gonna be this great banquet. That was a foreshadowing prophetic story Jesus told of the wedding banquet of the lamb that is to come. And we're all invited. God wants us all to RSVP. He wants our family and our friends and our neighbors and our nations to RSVP. He wants us to be those table setters to go tell them, to invite them, to go into the highways and byways, to go into the, to, to all the places and declare as loud as we can, not just with our lips, but especially with our lives of his goodness and of his greatness. Now, over these past few weeks, um, we've seen that Christ must hold first place. He must be preeminent. He must be our highest priority. We've seen that our hand will pursue the passions of our heart. Um, and, and we could easily do the litmus of look at the calendar, look at the checkbook. What are we pursuing the most right now? Because how we spend our time in God's treasures, that tells us something. Um, in other words, we said it like this. You will end up serving that which you stare at most. And no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve both God and anything you personify as your object of worship. We saw that when God is first, the rest will follow. When we put God in his proper place, Matthew 6, 33, we'll look at that again a little bit. Through our study, it's become clear that, that it's more about our obedience than our outcome. Abraham, his outcome was a little different than maybe he would have desired. Moses, outcome a little different than he may have desired. But still, nevertheless, outcome impacted generations. They were willing to plant seeds for trees they would never possibly see. And then faith, they did it, right? It's more about our obedience than our outcome. However, our obedience may very well determine our outcome. We've also seen that God will not tolerate our idols. He does not play second fiddle. He does not share well when it comes to us. He wants the full possession of our passions, the fullness of our heart. It's our heart that he's always after because he knows when he has our whole heart, he's got everything about us. He knows that we're gonna be completely surrendered to him when he has our whole heart. Which means that no matter what he asks of us, no matter what he might request of us, whatever donkey that we possess that he may be in need of, we say yes, no matter what he asks to sacrifice, knowing that he will always provide for himself the lamb. We saw it right there in Genesis 22. Powerful passage, Abraham and Isaac. So we have no need to fear, right? We have no need to fear. As Philippians 4.19 tells us, our God will supply everything that we'll ever need according to his riches in heaven and glory. Therefore, radical, generation, uh, radical generosity will always be driven by a passionate heart for God. We willingly, we joyfully, we give cheerfully of ourselves, of our lives, of our time, of our talent, of our treasures, of our serving, all of it. We give cheerfully when we love God wholeheartedly. So today... We kind of, I just preached the whole series right there. Sometimes you're, you're probably like, I wish you'd have done that day one, right? Um, <laughs> but today, we come to the table ready to trust and believe. That was week one. We come to the table ready to serve and follow. We come to the table ready to surrender and obey. We come to the table ready to sacrifice and give. Today, we came to feast on the Lord and recognize that he invites us to that every day, right? We also come to commit. Ready to commit. On this Palm Sunday, I want us to go back to Matthew 21. We spent a little time there last week in three verses, but I want to go through 11 of them with you. Matthew 21. If you've got a Bible, go there with me. Um, if you do not have a Bible, we would love to give you a copy of the Bible, and that will be found in all the response. Actually, not today. It's going to be somewhere back there. Connection Center. Amen. Praise. Okay, in the back. There's response tables in the back. Thank you. I happened to look up and realize the rapture took the response tables in the front. So if you need to respond, go to the back. Okay. Look at, look at verse 1, Matthew 21. Here we go. When Jesus and his guys approached Jerusalem, they'd come to Bethphage, the Mount of Olives. Jesus then sent two disciples ahead, saying, he says, I want you to go into the village opposite you. Immediately you're going to find a donkey tied there with a colt. I want you to untie them, bring them to me. So that's the instruction Jesus gives. Look what he says next. If anyone says anything to you, tell them the Lord has need of it. And he will send them on immediately. The Lord has need of him. So here's a question we asked ourselves last week. What is it the Lord has entrusted to you to steward? What has he put in your possession that he may be asking, I have need of that for my glory? 
So that's kind of the question we asked last week. And then the B side of that, will we surrender whatever that is to him? Jesus said, tell them this is what the Lord has, they will send it immediately. That's what he said. I wonder if Jesus thinks that way of us. They'll give it immediately. Verse four. Now this took place so that what was spoken um, through the prophet of Zechariah the prophet, it, it took place so what was spoken would be fulfilled. We see this in, in Zechariah 9, verse 9. Verse 5 of this passage, he, you know, it's, it's reiterated here. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, even the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. Zechariah 9, 9 says this. Look at this. This is the passage that, that is basically prophetically said Right there. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So this is basically, it's prophecy that's going to be fulfilled here. The disciples do what Jesus has asked them to do. Verse 7, they bring the donkey, the colt. They lay their cloaks on the donkey. He sat on the cloaks. And then it says, most of the crowd spread their cloaks along the road. And others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them out on the road. Since the crowds were going ahead of him, those who followed, they were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, aligning him in David's line. Another prophetic word, Hosanna to the son of David. In Aramaic, Hosanna means save, we pray. So they're saying save, save us, Hosanna, save us, save us, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And I love that phrase. If you look at it and you look at the Aramaic, think about what they're declaring here. Hosanna in the highest. Save us, we pray, in the highest. See, a lot of us, we look for daily salvation for little things. God, would you help us do this? Would you? No, no, they're saying save us in the utmost, in the highest of ways. How cool is this? Verse 10, when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirring, saying, who is this? I want you to focus on that right there. Such a profound, important question. The whole city is stirring, saying, who is this? And the crowds are saying, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So how were they saying who Jesus was? I want you to think about it. How is it that they were telling people who Jesus was? It wasn't just a simple, oh, that's Jesus. Who's that? How were they saying this? See, it was what, that they, it was what they were doing that was declaring who Jesus was. They spread their cloaks out before him and for him. They waved palm branches, all these significant, all these speaking a language that they would all understand. They, re- they were waving these palm. they were laying palms all along the path. They saw him riding in as prophecy foretold. They were very well aware of the prophets. And here comes Jesus riding in. He rides in what's called triumphantly, just as it said in Zechariah 9. Shout for triumph. Rejoice. So here he comes in triumphant. In this ride, though they had it somewhat a little wrong, right? While he, of course, was the king, their version of the king wasn't coming in the way that they thought. See, this whole picture conveys celebration. Do you see it? It all conveys a celebration, honor. It's reminiscent of a victory parade um, with which a triumphant king or a general in the Old Testament or intertestamental times were welcomed. It's the way that they did it. So when they're saying, who is this? They're showing exactly who they think it is without having to say a name. I mean, the strewing of garments and branches further demonstrates how the crowd even kind of had somewhat of a wrong Messianic concept here. Unfortunately, they thought that victory um, that would come would be entirely different. See, we many times in many ways think the same way. We think that our victory should come a little different than the way it did, right? We too like to often paint Jesus in the way that we want him to ride into our lives. We often want Jesus on our terms. Here's what is so beautiful about the good news of the gospel on this Palm Sunday morning. Here's the thing that hit me like a brick coming through the wall. These people, yes, were indeed declaring Jesus as the king. However, it's amazing that in a very short amount of, a very short amount of time from this triumphant entry that we talk about today, 
The people who came to see him would go from declaring his true identity to rejecting him, some of them. But watch this. Jesus came to take rejection from us so to declare our true identity. Do you see the beauty of the gospel in that? Victory would come just differently than they thought, differently than they wanted. True victory would come through surrender and through sacrifice. They declared who Jesus was through their actions, but not necessarily their hearts. Today, we declare who Jesus is to the world through our heart first, which then should lead to our actions. We declare who Jesus is to the world through our priorities, through our obedience, through our willingness, through our sacrifice, through our hospitality, through our generosity. Who are we declaring Jesus to be right now? Right? Does, does he have the full possession of our heart? Does he work or, or does the work of our hands declare him as the Lord of all things? Have we laid our life before him so to welcome him as if they, as they laid their cloaks down and the palms down? Have we laid our lives before him so to declare who he truly is? Have we truly surrendered everything to him and unto him? No turning back, right? Willing to risk it all if need be for his great name, for his glory. Having no reservations. Laying aside all regrets. There's no regret. Siri doesn't understand. Listen, when Julius Caesar landed on the shores of Britain with his Roman legions, he took a, a bold and decisive step to ensure the success of his military venture. Ordering his men to march to the edge of the cliffs of Dover, he commanded them to look down at the water below. And as they did to their amazement, what they saw was every ship in which they had crossed the channel was engulfed in flames. Caesar had deliberately cut off any possibility of retreat. Now that his soldiers were unable to return to their home, there was nothing left for them to do but advance and to conquer, and that is exactly what they did. Years ago, Stephen Curtis Chapman wrote a song called Burn the Ships. This is exactly what it's about. I'm not giving myself a safety net. I'm not giving myself an opportunity to retreat. I'm not giving myself, there's no reservation here. There's no retreat here. And there's no regret. God has called me and I'm going. We can totally trust him no matter what. When he calls us to go, we listen, we step out in faith and we go just like Abram. Let's, let's put him first. Let's make him our highest priority. Let's give him the fullness of our affections. Let's give to him and serve him wholeheartedly. Let's declare to this world who he is from a heart of gratitude that leads to all the other things, obedience, hospitality, generosity. See, we can trust him. He's faithful. He's so overwhelmingly kind. He's so overwhelmingly generous to us, so much so, no matter what he calls us to, he even still provides for himself the lamb every time. He is our provider. He provides for what is necessary and needed. We have no reason to ever doubt or fear. We got two passages. First Thess Thessalonians chapter five says, faithful is he who calls. I'm going to paraphrase myself. Faithful is he who calls. He will bring it to pass. In Philippians, there's another passage in chapter one. He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. He always provides for himself the lamb. Look at the book of Luke with me, if you will. Go to the book of Luke chapter 12. Just a few passages here. Verse 22, Luke chapter 12, verse 22. Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, these, everything I've just said, by the way, here's how it ties in right here. Jesus looks at his disciples and says this, this is why I tell you, don't worry. Don't worry about your everyday life. Don't worry whether you're going to have enough food to eat or, or the clothes to wear. Life is more than food. Your body is for more than clothing. Look at the ravens. Now he goes to these illustrations, these examples. Look at these birds, right? These birds, they don't, they don't plant, they don't harvest, they don't store food, but God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to God than any bird. Can all the worries of your life add a single moment to your life? And if you worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over big things? Look at the lilies. Now look at the flowers. So he's, he's taking something that might seem to some to be completely insignificant, but he's still illustrating. Look at how they grow. They don't work. They don't make their own clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Look how God provides for the things that you might think are so insignificant. What more will he do for you? Because his love for you is immeasurable compared to that. 
He says, if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Listen, what if God is using this season that we have been walking in, some of us, to test our faith, as he did with Abraham and Isaac? Do we trust him? Do we know that he is able? Will we declare to the world who Jesus is, no matter what, through the activity of our faith and our dependence? Jesus goes on to say in verse 29, don't be concerned about what to eat or drink. Don't worry about these things. And look at verse 30, because that's a scary passage when I read it. Those things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. See, fear and the lack of faith declares to the world that God is not able. Scripture says fear and a lack of trust and dependence dominates the thoughts of those who do not believe God. But we declare who God is to the world when we look at, look at verse 31, when we seek the kingdom of God above all else. Knowing, being fully confident that he will give us everything that we need. Our God shall supply all our needs according to his riches and glory. So don't be afraid, verse 32, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom, to provide for you. See, we can trust him. It goes on, sell your possessions, give to those in need. This will store up treasures for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven will never get old, will never develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning. I love that passage. Be at the ready. Be ready. Be dressed for service. Keep your lamps burning as though you are waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, he will put on an apron, and he will serve them as they sit and eat. Hello, look at the table. He may come in the middle of the night or just before dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Here is our question this morning. Are we ready? Are we ready? Are we ready? You know, over the course of the last year, I told you if you're new this morning, I'm so glad you're here because you're going to be a part of something today. You get to see God move in powerful ways. And over the course of the last year, some of us have been on this journey. And it started with a vision really about four or five years ago. And the vision was really about people. It was about the gospel and what the gospel will do in the lives of people and kids and students and generations and families. That's what the vision's about. It's about being so for Jesus, you can't help yourself, you're gonna be for people. And there's some byproducts of those things to enable us to help us to be even more about building the kingdom of God by building people. Hey, would you watch this little highlight video of some things, mostly about this last year, but really just about the vision of setting the table. Check this out real quickly. These days, they fill with color. They're sewn together And now they're holding us This place Like a painted vision And now our intuition Gives us hope of what's to come This is our opportunity to be mm -hmm. part of the big story yeah. Um, so we could see the finish line and we could yeah. say, you know what, we, we've run the race and we've run right. it well. It's just neat that we get to be here to see our kids participate in something that their kids will get the fruit of. So when I hear the term setting a table, that means you're preparing a place. You're being intentional to invite someone to come along. And that's what God has called us to do. He's called us to be intentional and to invite others into uh, fellowship with Him and community with one another. There's a rush as we leave the shadows, as we shake these shadows and find the morning sun. These hearts holding expectations and silent declarations, and I'll end in the flood. 
table means to me is like basically inviting people to know Jesus. Sometimes just by being kind and generous and like showing Jesus through us. Paving the way for others to know God and for the people that already know God, helping them grow closer. It's a way of keeping my promise. It's a way of saying, I trust you and I want to walk that out, truly walk that out to say I trust you and I don't need to be in control. This whole process of setting the table for me has just been God stripping it away until there was nothing left except Him. He's going to show up. He will. Be faithful. Stay the course. Continue to, to trust Him. Psalm 23, and it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. And I'm going to continue to speak those things out, believing that God is there and that that's going to change and that He's going to show up. Amen, everybody. That's good stuff. Come on, somebody. Love it. In 1904, William Borden graduated from a Chicago high school. I've told this story before, but it's so powerful, I had to come back to it and remind myself. 1904, I mean, here, here he is, the, the heir to the whole Borden Empire estate. And here he is in graduating from high school. And for his high school graduation present, his parents gave him a trip around the world. I don't know what you got for high school, but I did not get that. <laughs> As a young man, he traveled through Asia and the Middle East and Europe, and he felt this growing um, burden to the world's hurting people as he was on that trip, just graduated from high school. The heir to a massive fortune, this burden for hurting people. He writes home, and he says, uh, Mom and Dad, I'm going to live my life from here forward to prepare for the mission field. He knew God had called him. And he was ready to commit. He was ready to be obedient to God's call. Now at the same time, he took his Bible and in the back of it, he wrote two words. He wrote, no reserves, just in the back of his Bible. Indeed, he was not going to hold anything back. Now during his college years, he went to Yale University. I saw Roger here. Where are you at, Roger? Yep. He went to Yale University. And... Um, it was at Yale that he became a pillar of the Christian community. So much so that revival started breaking out. You know, one entry in his personal journal that defined the source of his spiritual strength while he was at Yale simply said, say no to self and say yes to Jesus every time. And it was the first semester he was there, he began a small group that literally would transform the campus. That little group gave birth to a movement that began to spread across the campus. By the end of his first year, 150 freshmen were meeting for weekly Bible study and prayer. By the time that Borden um, was a senior, 1,000 of the 1,300 students were meeting in small groups. Because he said, no reserves. I'm holding nothing back. So he strategized with his fellow Christians now to make sure every student on campus would hear the gospel. And he was often seen ministering the, to the downtrodden in the streets of New Haven. But his real passion was still burning for missions. Once he narrowed his ministry call to a certain people, the Kansu people in China, he never wavered. Upon graduating from Yale, he went back to that same spot in the back of his Bible and wrote two more words. He wrote, no retreats. See, Borden understood without risk, there was really no reward, so he would never waver. No retreats. In keeping with that commitment, he began to turn down several high-paying job offers, instead choosing to enroll in a seminary. Now, 
After graduating from that, he immediately goes to Egypt to learn Arabic because of his intent to work with the Muslims in China. And tragically, here's a guy, probably much like Abram, who answered God's call to leave familiar, to leave comfort, to leave convenience, to leave the inheritance of his father, to say yes to Jesus. Tragically, it's here as he's preparing after graduating seminary that, that he contracts spinal meningitis. Within a month, 25-year-old William Borden had passed away. Prior to his death, he had written two more words in the back of his Bible. Underneath the words, no reserves and no retreats, he wrote these two words, no regrets. No regrets. To William Borden, the risk was worth it all. The risk was reward enough. In risking it all, he was found ready. He had no reserves he would not retreat and he had no regrets that's the kind of life that I believe God is calling us to live can I just peel back the curtain for a minute and say I wish so desperately for all of us that we would be so gripped by the gospel that when we hear words like what Paul said I've been crucified with Christ it's no longer I that lives can I tell you as Paul had a thorn in his flesh I almost sometimes feel like I want to say God that passage is a thorn in my flesh (laughs) because I'm not perfect by any stretch of the imagination and there are times in life where I feel like I am just muddling through it But in a moment like this, when I feel like God is so pressing in on a people, I would not be, I don't even know if this is the right phrase. I would not be a good pastor. I don't know if that's the right phrase. If I didn't just honestly say, listen, this American life and dream that we have the privilege to live is so good. It really is. But it does not compare to the kingdom of God. And the kingdom lifestyle is upside down to what we're told it's supposed to be like. The kingdom of God calls us to come and die. The kingdom of God calls us to say, you know what? There's nothing more valuable than him. The kingdom of God tells us to seek him first. To give it all away if he asks. Look at William Borden. Look at Abraham. And while that is so tough... And while sometimes at church, especially when the pastor or the people start talking about money or committing or anything else, can I just honestly tell you that Lego building, if that's all that God ever gave us, praise God, it looks so cool. (laughs) And with all sincerity of heart, trust me, I'm a guy who likes to make it happen fast. And God has had to teach me over these past seven years of planting and pastoring a church. You got to run at the pace that God's going to give you grace to run. And so listen to when I tell you this. Everything about this morning, especially those of you who may be here in the first, for the first time, everything about this morning is really all about the heart. It's about our heart that God is after. I don't care what you give to God, but I care about your heart. And I care about what he may be asking of you. And I care about our obedience as a church and as a people and as disciples. I care about us choosing not the easy path, not the wide road. I care about us saying, you know what? There's oftentimes that I'd rather take the exit to easy, but right now I'm going to drill in. And I may not even be able to see the path and he's not giving me the coordinates, but I'm just going to say yes anyway. Whatever that means. Whatever it looks like. Okay, I'm off script and I'm I'm out of time. So I want us to think about this today. If you will, would you grab this card and just hold it in your hand for a second? Because I want to pray. Everybody, I think I think you had one in your chair, everybody. Just grab this card. And I want you to hear me say a few things about this. Number one, whatever it is that God is calling you to do is between you and God. This is a commitment that you would make to the Lord. Not to the church, not to religion, not to a pastor, not to a program, not to a bill. This is about your commitment with the Lord and being faithful 
being faithful to say yes to him, being faithful to say, I want to build the kingdom. I'm for Jesus. I want to be for people. I want to build people to love Jesus, to learn to look like Jesus, to follow Jesus. And so really it's about what's behind the commitment and not necessarily the commitment. It's not about a percentage. It's not about a number. It's what's behind the number. It's about the participation and the engagement with God. So with that in mind, as you hold this card, can we just pray? Lord, would you just do what you desire to do in our lives, through our lives? God, you have entrusted us with much. And whatever it is that you're asking of us in this moment that would reflect that you're our highest priority, we say yes and amen. We say yes and amen. So do what only you can do and what you desire to do, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray this in your name. Amen. It's our heart that he's after. You know, today, just as it was on this Palm Sunday long ago, we will declare who Jesus is in one way or another. We will. Not just as a church, but also personally. Um, Joshua 3 is a passage that we spent some time in last year, and I was thinking about that passage. I was thinking about that as well as Genesis 12, Abraham, all the things have been just kind of rushing to my heart. You know, when he said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you to be a blessing and I'm going to bless all the families on the, on the earth through you because of this faith step, Abraham, because of your devotion to God, because of your obedience, I'm going to bless. I think about the time that the Israelites had to cross the Red Sea um, in the beginning of their journey out of exile into promise and how God provided. And then I think of Joshua 3, another moment, right, of God's provision, another moment of God's promise and purpose on display. And as Moses would lead the Israelites um, before, out of their imprisonment, so to say, now Joshua will lead them across another body of water towards their promise. I think about this passage in Joshua 3. Because it would require another body of water. It would require another step of faith when it didn't seem possible or passable. It would require a great moment of faith. Believing in the purpose and the promise and the provision of God. Again, it's impossible, God. But see, God does not know the word possible or impossible. All he knows is possible. He makes the impossible possible. Verse 5 of Joshua 3, he says, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. And that was kind of what we did earlier when we came to the table. We said, God, would you give us clean hands and a pure heart? Because we want to live the kind of life that, blessed are those whose hearts are pure, they will see God. We want to see the great wonders of God day after day. Amen? So I think about that passage in verse 5. See, Joshua is encouraging the people of God. Keep your eyes open, right? Keep watch. Be ready. He doesn't want them to miss the miracle that God's about to do. Now listen to me today, please. As we go into the, what I think is a wholly significant moment here, please lean in for just a minute. We got to keep our eyes open. We got to be at the ready. We got to keep watch. We want to move with God as God moves. We want to set the table well for others. We don't want to miss all that God's about to do. Joshua gives a few more instructions. Verse 14, I'll put it on the screen for you. Look what it says. It says, um, the people left their camp to cross the Jordan. The priests who were carrying the ark, they were carrying what was contained, you know, representing, containing the presence of God. They're carrying the ark ahead. It's the harvest season. The Jordan's overflowing at its banks. But as soon as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touches the water at the river's edge, it says, as soon as their feet touch the water, it required them to take a step of faith into the water. And the scripture says, as soon as their feet touched the water, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away in a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the, the, the water below that point flowed onto the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. See, God does not the work. He doesn't understand impossible. He makes the possible passable. He provides for himself the lamb. I want you to see the water did not stop flowing until they took a step in. It required the step into the great unknown believing. Abraham, I'm not giving you the coordinates, but I'm asking you to take a step. Borden, I know what I'm asking you to give up, but I'm asking you to take the step. See, this might be for some of us another Red Sea moment. 
just as scary, I'm sure. Our walk with God requires ever-increasing measures of faith. Walking in God's promise and purpose requires a belief in God. A passion for God. Even when there may be obstacles in the way. Even when there may look like giants are in the land. Even when it seems impassable and impossible. They had to take the first step in the water. See, it's our time to take the step of faith. For us to step in. It's our time for us to believe. To provide. We gotta believe that God will provide for himself what he's calling us to do. You've heard me say around here often because I've seen it happen over and over in seven years especially, God always pays for what he orders. We have no need to fear. So I wanna pause for just a minute and I wanna give you just a second. If you've got that card in your hand, I, wanna, I want you to take just a minute. Don't write anything right now. I want you to listen just for a second. Again, as we approach the moment, I want you to hear this most importantly, what we are doing today matters deeply. It has deep spiritual significance. It matters not only for us as individuals, but it matters for generations to come. Again, some, some of us are planting seeds of trees we may never see. It matters big. Number two, if you look at that card, I want you to know this. This commitment that you're making to the Lord, at least in finances, in your giving, this commitment will represent your total giving through declaration to set the table, meaning whatever number God may have given you or has given you even now, that's going to reflect the giving of all tithes, any expanded faith, sacrificial offering, um, any stored resource that maybe God has said, hey, I want you to give this. It represents all of that. It's the total commitment of your giving over the next 12 months. It's not just anything extra. It's the total so please remember, God is not after your percentage. He's after your participation, your engagement with him, your obedience, your willingness. It's not about the number. It's about what's behind the number because it's our heart that he's after. Number three, let me say this. For some of us, this is the first time that we're committing in, in like this, at all. We've never committed like this, especially to or through a church, I should say. So maybe this is your first time to commit. I want you to know I'm so excited for you. You hear me say often around here, um, we don't want this from you. We want it for you. We believe that when we walk in obedience to God, God's favors upon our life and he blesses us. So I'm so excited about this commitment that maybe you're making for the very first time. It's awesome. And God is going to do incredible things. And then there's some of us here today also. Maybe we're just committing to finish strong. God gave us something last year. Man, it is all that we can do. We're doing the best and God is providing and we're seeing it. Sometimes it's like, God, a little more month left than money. What are we going to do, bro? <laughs> but God's taking care of you and you're seeing it. So you're going to finish strong. Praise God for you. You've been so faithful and set the table well. I want you to keep going, just as you heard Mike and Krista talk about in that video. Keep going. Keep pressing forward in faith. He will provide for himself the lamb. Possibly there's some of us here today that we're, we're choosing to, to give in a way that maybe we've never given before. You know, God's called us to another step of faith, an expansion of our giving. Kelly and I are in this with you. We understand when God says something, it, it kind of makes you step back a minute. But we're here too. We're doing this with you. We believe in this. We know that God's doing something. We're hearing God just like you are. And maybe some of you are taking the largest step of faith that you've ever taken, especially in the area of generosity, giving back to God. Maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what? I made a commitment last year, but God's asking me to give more. He's asking me to expand, to move in deeper faith even than I did last year. And that was pretty deep faith. But I'm going to step in the water. So I want to challenge you, whatever it is that God is calling you to do, let that be what truly setting the table looks like for you and your family. And I know it may seem scary. It may seem impossible, but God does not know impossible. He makes the possible passable and he provides. I want to challenge you with that. So if you will, just as we prayed over this card, um, I want to give you just a moment. I want you to pray and reflect. Maybe get together if you're in a family unit, get together with a family. Have just a moment to pray together. And I'm going to ask you to take about two and a half minutes and do that. And as God leads you, I would love to invite you to commit, to fill this card out. Remember, our primary goal here is that 100% of us as a church is taking a step, a spiritual step, whatever that is. 
So I'm going to invite you to commit to write down what it is that God is saying to you to do. So just a few minutes. Don't move yet. And I'll come back in just a few minutes and I'm going to invite us to all come to the table and to bring these commitments and put them in the basket right there below the table. And by the way, please don't miss the significance here. I want you to know this. The things that we commit, that's not us trying to buy God. It didn't work like that. We've come to the table to receive from his bounty, if you will, from his generosity. But when we come next in just a minute, after we take this time of reflection, we're going to come to his table to commit, to say, God, this is you. We're giving back to you. We're thanking you. This is a response, God. Hey, listen to me. Not a requirement, a response. So don't miss the significance of that. Take just a few minutes gather up maybe pray together and then you fill this card out as you feel led and I'll come back in just a moment and we'll move together all right so let's stay here and reflect just for a moment just a second the band's going to begin to lead us just in a final time of worship just for the next few minutes and please know that this is probably some of the most important time of any service that we have is that time where we respond to the Lord and that's exactly what this is this is us saying God we we want to respond to you appropriately now maybe for you you're here and like I said maybe it's your first time maybe you God brought you to the house today and you're like I don't know what's going on but I'm going to tell you this God has been maybe speaking to you. And maybe for the first time you're saying, you know what, I I know this is what I need. And so if you're here, 
and you're saying, I, I need to know more about Jesus. I need to know more about this table, this banquet. I need to know. You've been trying a lot of things. Can I tell you some of the things that I've read this week is just heartbreaking of what's going on in our world and the hopelessness. But you're here saying, you know what? I came into this house looking for hope this morning. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. So right in this moment, the most important thing that we could do today is this right here. It's to say, if you need Jesus, would you just pray with us? Nothing magical about it. We're just going to confess our need. We're not asking for religion. We're not asking to join a church. We're saying yes to Jesus. If that's you, would you pray with me? This is the most important thing we're going to do today. I promise you. Would you pray? Say, Jesus, I need you. I want to RSVP to the invitation to your table. I want to thank you for being willing to sacrifice your life to secure mine for your gift of salvation for your generosity and your hospitality and how you love me you want to be my friend you want to forgive me and set me free and I want that I want that so I'm surrendering my life to you empty me of all my past and fill me with your spirit right now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, with your eyes closed, just one more second. If you answered yes to Jesus, if you said yes to Jesus today, you prayed that prayer, would you slip a hand up just so I know who I'm gonna celebrate with today? We wanna reach out to you. Anybody, I see a hand. Thank you so much for that. Anybody else? Anybody else? And maybe if that's you online, I'm gonna invite you to text Jesus to 43,000. We want to give you some information and connect to you right there. That's you online. Thank you for that hand. Hey, church, can we celebrate? Someone just said yes to Jesus for the first time today. Come on, somebody. And I promise you this. this is a, what we're about to see is a, it's a move of God. So when you're ready, as the band begins to lead us, when you're ready, would you grab that commitment card and would you bring it to the table? And there's some baskets right under the table, just as a way of response. And would you place that card in that basket when you're ready? Let's do that together as we respond and as we sing just for a few minutes. Thank you so much for joining us today. Maybe today you need to take the next step in your faith, whether that be giving your life to Christ, or maybe you would like prayer and need to be contacted by one of our pastors. In the podcast description, you will find a link to our website and a link to an online connection card. And if you feel led, there will also be a link there where you can give directly to the ministries of Declaration Online. We would love to hear from you. God bless you and have a wonderful week.